Good morning, South Park Church. It's good to see you today. How are you doing? I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Uh, glad to be back with you. Missed you the last couple of weeks as my family and I were away for vacation. Just want to give a, a shout out to Pastor Lindsay and to Chris Bedell for uh, preaching such awesome sermons. Can you guys just give them a hand? We're so grateful to have them from their leadership. Uh, thank you for the time to be away with my family. My father-in-law retired from 45 years of ministry, 26 in one church, and we got to celebrate that a couple of weeks ago and then go to the beach together. And uh, I'm actually a year older now than since I saw you last as well. So it's been a, it's been a good time for us. And so, but we missed you and uh, glad to be back with you and moving forward again with our sermon series on games. When I first came to this church in 2012, I was making visits to people in their homes and one of the families that welcomed me in had two uh, young children, boys, uh, elementary age, uh, and they were playing a video game on television that was kind of new to me known as Minecraft. Maybe you've heard of that. We've got a picture of that here. Uh, fast forward to now, those boys are grown. They're out of high school. They're in college, working. Uh, and my boys, uh, middle school and elementary school, are aficionados of Minecraft as well. This is the most popular video game of all time in number of all-time sales. Over 200 million copies of Minecraft sold all around the world, not just children, but also adults as well. Uh, over 120 million people right now are licensed subscribers to play this online together. Uh, and it, it's, it's an amazing game. Uh, let me show you what you can do. You can build anything that you want, right? If you want to build a home or anything, you, you can build that. It's called Minecraft. You mine for materials, then you take those materials together and you craft things together. So you think about it, you can build it, right? So you can build any kind of structure or landscape. Check this out, right? You can build all sorts of things. You wanna build an island in the sky and live on that island? You can build an island in the sky and you can live on it. It's an amazing tool for people to be creative. And you can play solo by yourself. You can play online with your friends or other people or even people that you don't know from all around the world. Uh, and there are two major ways you can do this. You can play in the creative mode where you're, just, you're creating things. And uh, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a playground for your mind. Uh, there's also a mode called survival mode. Uh, and so in this mode, you are competing against people who are trying to tear down your creation, right? So you create things, you Minecraft, you do all these things, and then people try to, to, to tear it down. And, and there's groups of mobs who come after you. And so it's kind of like life, right? You're going through life and things just happen and go against you. And so Today we're just going to play just a, an easy kind of fun game. May or may not play Minecraft, but I think you can play this game. We're going to try to guess the mob member of Minecraft who comes after you in this game. Let's see if you can get some of these. Anybody know what that creature is? It's a spider. Yep, it is actually a spider, right? So in this game, sometimes spiders come after you in Minecraft. What do we have next? What do you think? It's a skeleton, that's right, that's right, absolutely, all right? Zombie, now you guys gotta quit, you know all the answers. <laughs> I've got a plant right here, right? No, all you guys are awesome, right? Uh, it's a zombie, right? The living dead, they, wanna, they come after you, all right? This next one's my personal favorite. It's a creeper, you know what a creeper is? It creeps up on you and explodes. <laughs> Right? So you got to be always looking for the creeper. That's exactly right. All right. Then the last one here. Okay, that's a dragon called the Ender Dragon. And I may or may not be right, but 
uh, might be called the Ender Dragon because if you beat the Ender Dragon, the game ends, right? So, y'all did great. Give yourselves a hand here today. I've got my Creeper Minecraft backpack here, and in that, I've got this really cool, like, torch. This is a torch that you use in Minecraft to see things, and this torch also is a water bottle, right? So, uh, this person on the second row back here behind my family, I want to give this to you for being Minecraftable today. Very good. Thank you. That's awesome. Let's give her a hand. So why are we talking about Minecraft in church? What does that have to do with God? What does it have to do with our lives? Let me just ask you a few questions, maybe to keep in the back of your mind as we talk through some scripture today. First is, what is your craft? What do you do? What has God created you to do? What, what do you do in the world? What do you create? What is your craft? What do you mind? What do you go after? What do you pursue in life? What are, what are you chasing in life? Right? What is your craft? What, what do you mind for? Maybe most importantly today to ask you the question is, what are you building your life on? What are you building your life upon? Right? What, what philosophies, what theology, what what practicalities, how are you building your life? What is the foundation that you are building your life upon? And that's where I think the game of Minecraft is a neat interaction with Scripture because we're going to see Jesus talk about uh, some advice of what we need to build our lives upon to live life to the full. All right, so we're going we're gonna to jump right into the words of Jesus today. We're going to be in the very first book of the New Testament. It's in a, a book called Matthew, and Matthew is a gospel. Gospel means the good news of Jesus. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and so he wrote down his experiences with Jesus. And today, we're going to pick up the story early in Jesus' ministry as a, as a young man, a young adult in his early 30s. And Jesus is in the Sea of Galilee region. This is in the northern part of Israel. We've got a picture of that. Isn't that beautiful? All right, so there's this, it's really, the sea is really like a huge lake, right? Think of kind of like Lake Norman, uh, but you've got these big hills, these mountains around that. And so Jesus is on one of these hills, probably near the sea, and, and he's got a whole bunch of people who followed him out there, and they want to hear Jesus teach. And so Jesus is teaching to the people. One of his most famous sermons is called the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the mountain, right? He's around the Sea of Galilee, and he's teaching people just like you and me, about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. Right? What does it mean to be a follower of God? What does it mean to be living in the kingdom of God? What does it mean to live a life that is full? And so that's what Jesus is doing to everyday people like you and me. And he's also teaching uh, to a group that opposes Jesus. Right? A lot of the religious leaders of Jesus' day came into opposition with him because they weren't really right with God in their hearts. They pursued God outwardly, and they, they did everything that the, the religious law told them to do, and they, they kept the religious law, but some of them just, they weren't connected to God on the inside, and so they butted heads with Jesus. An example, right? They got mad at Jesus one day because he healed a person on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the day of rest, like our Sunday, right? We're supposed to rest, not work. We're supposed to spend time with God, that sort of thing. But Jesus saw a man whose hand was withered, and he took compassion upon this man, and he healed the man's hand. And, and some of the religious leaders were mad at Jesus because the law said not to do any work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, what's more important, right? The letter of that law or the spirit of that law? The law is, is for the good of people to be in relationship with God. If I can heal this man, I'm going to heal this man no matter what day of the week it is, right? So Jesus is speaking to everyone about how to pursue life to the full, and he's also sending some messages 
to the religious leaders, maybe to wake them up so that they can really find out what life to the full is all about, right? So he's preached this, this sermon, chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven in Matthew's gospel. And this is the last thing that he says at the end of the sermon. And again, think of this in terms of what we learned about Minecraft and, and think about it in terms of our lives as we build foundations. Jesus says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, right, all that he's been teaching, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with the great crash. Right? So we know that if you build a, like a sand castle at the beach and you can make it all perfect and the, the sand might be patted down and it looks all good and you come back the next day, what happens? Right? The ocean comes in, wipes it out, that sort of thing. Right? So the Sea of Galilee, right down by the, by the ocean there, the, the, or the, the, the big lake, Right, the sand that's there in the summer gets really hot and it gets hardened and packed down. And, and if you didn't know the area, right, you would think this is a good place to build a home. Right? We're right on the water. It's great. It's close. It's hard, hard ground. Let's put the foundation here. But what happens is in the wintertime when they get a lot of more rain in Israel, right, the, the river Jordan that feeds into the Sea of Galilee overflows its banks. It pushes the water level of Sea of Galilee high. So if you built a house on the edge of that, sea on the sand, it's washed away. But if you built it on the bedrock around the Sea of Galilee, which would take some excavating to go down a little bit hard, you know, deeper, spend some extra time working, right? Then you build it up on that foundation of, of bedrock. When the water comes, the house is not going to wash away, right? So Jesus says, right, if you listen to my words, right, my wisdom, my way of living life to the full, then it's like you're building your foundation on, on the rock, and if you don't, then it's like you're building your life upon the sand. When the storms of life come, when the creepers come up and they sneak up and they explode, right, then you're going to be in trouble. So it's a, it's a story about what we're building our foundation on, right? And so this is, I, I love this quote about Jesus when he's trying to talk to the religious leaders of his day. It says that, you know, this story that Jesus said is about this. The religious establishment was advocating a form of surface righteousness that masked an unstable foundation of religious hypocrisy. So basically, some of the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were, they were, their faith was very surfacey. They didn't have anything deep, and they were really being hypocrites and saying one thing and doing another. And so Jesus was trying to get through to them to wake up and make him the foundation of their lives. But he was also talking to all, all the people in the, in the crowd who were like you and me, saying, those of you who want to live a life that is full and you want to deal with some of the big challenges that come your way in life, then follow my, my wisdom. And so I think what Jesus is saying to us, all of us in the room today, you know, a couple thousand years later, I think that it's still the same message. What are you building your life on? Is, is your foundation upon God, a relationship with God, with Jesus, our Savior, or is it on something else? What are you building your life on? What is the foundation of your life? Um, I mentioned I'm a year older since I saw you guys last. Actually, I turned 50 years old. And uh, that's the, yeah, yeah. 
Thank you for clapping. It makes me feel better. I've been really struggling with this with a lot of anxiety about 50, right? Because it's, it's, it's a big milestone. I've been thinking, of, if I live to be 100, if, big if, I'm at the midpoint of my life, right? Right in the middle. Odds are, I'm not going to live to be 100, which means that likely I'm beyond midlife, right? Like, that's weird to think. Like, I've lived possibly more years in my past than I'm going to have ahead of me. That's just a, a really weird kind of place to be. Now, one lady said after the first service, well, you might live to be more than 100, Pastor Kyle. Be positive, right? Uh, but it's kind of given me a chance to have a mini midlife crisis to really think about my life. How have I spent my life? What, what's gone well? What have I liked about my life? What do I want to keep doing for the rest of my life? Because life is fast. It's fleeting. And I believe in heaven. I believe in life after death. And I'm excited about that. But I still think that there's a lot of stuff in my life that I want to accomplish on this side of heaven. And so what's the rest of my life going to be like? Whatever the number of years that God gives me, what do I want to focus on? Right? There's things in my past that I worried about that I wish I didn't spend a lot of time worrying about that. There's things in my life I spent a lot of time on that I wish I didn't spend a lot of time on. There, there are relationships in my life I wish I'd spent more time with the people who are no longer on the earth. Right? So with the limited time that I have left, how do I want to spend that life? Right? How does God want me to spend my time that is ahead? And I don't think you have to be 50 to think about that. I hope that all of you are thinking about that. I know that those of you who are young and teenagers and 20s, you're like, I got all the time in the world, right? It still applies to all of us, right? Life is a gift. Life is fleeting. And so I've been thinking about what are some of the foundations that I've lived my life on? I mean, I've said one thing, but, but how have I really lived my life? What are, what are some of the things that I've tried to build my life upon? And how has that helped me or hurt me? A lot of time in my life, in my first 50 years, one of the foundations of my life, I think, has been success, right? And, and trying to achieve things and, and to have ambition and, and to be a great student, to be a great pastor, to be you know, a great parent, be a great husband, like to achieve things, right? To, to set goals and to achieve them. And I think that's an important part of life, especially in America. Right? We're a merit-based culture, right? You have to earn your way and Right, you got to go through these steps and all that. And so looking for success, right? looking to make a name for myself, all those sorts of things that we're taught in America that make us great. And sometimes it feels good. It's good to set goals and make a difference and achieve things and be successful. But I've also determined that that cannot be the sole foundation of my life because I've learned that the more that you succeed, it's never enough. Right? You, you do well here, then you, then you have another goal, right? There's something more to achieve. Or I'm successful in this area, and I look around, someone else has done it better than me, and so I have to measure myself against them. And pretty soon we fall in a trap that no matter what we achieve, no matter what success that we have, it's never good enough, and we always end up feeling that we're empty and, and that we're not who we're supposed to be. Right? And, and, and the challenging part, when we think about God and God thinking, theology, right? when we're trying to achieve success, and, and sometimes we can make that into an idol, right? and, and we, we just can't get there. And, and, and it's almost as if we're trying to earn right, uh, other people's acceptance, right? that we don't matter unless we earn it. Right? But the Bible says that we don't have to earn God's love. We don't have to 
earn anything to be important, to be special. God says, you're special because I created you. You're special because I created you in my image. You don't have to do anything to be special, right? And so for a merit-based society, we really struggle comprehending our grace-based God, right? A merit-based society, we really struggle to comprehend a grace-based God. I don't have to earn God's approval. I don't have to earn God's love. It's a free gift to me. And when I figured that out, it's like a huge gift and this, this amazing weight is lifted off my shoulders. I still have goals, right? Our church has goals. We, we, we work towards things, but that's not the core foundation of our lives because it's never gonna be enough. It's, it's never going to be enough. Now, a, a, a dark side of the opposite of that is, as, I've, as I have had success and, and done things, right? And my ego and my pride swells up, then I can flip that and look at other people and be critical of them say, they're terrible, that's awful, right? Just to have this sense of negative, right? right? The more that we tear someone else down, the more we build ourselves up, right? And so if we're not feeling good about ourselves, sometimes we make the foundation of tearing down other people or tearing down companies or tearing down churches or tearing down our colleagues or our classmates. And so to make ourselves feel better, we build a foundation of negativity and criticism by fo- focusing outward on others, to make ourselves feel better. But you know what I've discovered when I do that? When I'm just being negative and critical all the time, I don't even feel good about myself, right? And so that is a foundation that is built on some sand that's gonna erode very quickly. I think another foundation that I've built my life on sometimes is is to be liked by other people, right? To be popular. Some people would say that, that people seek fame. They want, you know, outward affirmation that people like us, right? And everybody likes to be liked. Nobody likes to be unliked. We don't like to be made fun of. We don't like to stick out of the crowd when we're in school or even as adults, right? Sometimes I wonder if any of us are gonna ever get out of middle school the way that we point our fingers at each other, right? Trying to impress each other and, and be popular. But, but again, it's good for other people to like us, but if that's the sole foundation of our lives, then we're never gonna be happy because guess what? There's always gonna be somebody somewhere that just doesn't think that we're good enough or they don't like us for who we are. You know, sometimes I've found in my life that I, when I try to please other people, sometimes I lose my own identity. I become like a chameleon. I'm this way with Chris, I'm this way with Laura, I'm this way with Pat, right? I show you what you wanna see in me and pretty soon I disappear. Right? And when I do that, that really feels me leaving empty because it, it's not who I am, it's who you want me to be. And, and I still can't make you happy. I still can't make you right, like me or, or love me. And, and when the hard things in life come, the creepers come and blow us up, the relationships end, we lose our jobs, all that kind of stuff. The people that I, I've tried to impress and it's just surface level, they're nowhere to be found. My true friends, my true family, the ones that love me, they love me for who I am, not for who I project myself to be. So I just caution you, in my experience, trying to build your life around making other people happy is going to get you washed away as well. One other place that I think I've really blown it in my life is uh, there have been periods in my life where I just, I want to get stuff, right? I wanna have a nice house, I wanna have a nice car, I wanna have nice clothes, I wanna have nice toys, I wanna be able to do things, right? And, And there's a place for that, right? There's a place for all this stuff that we've been talking about. But if I build my life based upon material goods and acquisitions, guess what? Again, it leaves me empty, right? Because as soon as I get something that I've been wanting, I'll enjoy it for a little while, but guess what? Then I'm bored with it. I put it on the shelf and I'm after the next thing. 
right? And if we're not careful, then we're, we're building up debt to get the next thing. We're getting in way over our heads. And our, our things that we, we acquire, they become burdens. We have to store them somewhere. We have to dust them off, right? Sitting on our shelves. We have to insure them. We have to maintain them, right? Especially the bigger toys and things that we get. And that's just a, that's a burden. So all these things that I'm talking about in their own right can be good parts of our lives, but if we make them the foundation of our lives, it leaves us empty, especially when the creepers come in, when the job loss comes, when someone breaks our heart and walks out on us, when someone says terrible things to us and insults us and just is just cruel in what they have to say to us, when we get sick, or someone that we love gets sick and we watch them battle a terrible disease when we die. Right? When, when those circumstances come, when the storms of life that, like that come from, right? all the stuff that I mentioned, it can help at some point, but in the end, it doesn't. Right? I've been in ministry for 25 years, half of my 50 years of ministry, and I've seen people rich and poor, black and white, male and female, young and old, you name it. And when the storms of life come and those creepers come up and they blow up, guess what? Money, power, fame, popularity, can't stop it, can't save it, can't get you through it, right? can't buy your way out of it. Right? The storms of life come, how are you gonna deal with that? Right? The Bible says Jesus. The Bible says Jesus, I think Jesus. I've seen that in my life just this morning those of us who lead worship, we get together and we walk through the service and we pray together. And we talked about uh, one of the prayer requests today was a young man. He's in his 30s. He's married, has two young sons, and he's fighting for his life on a ventilator because of the COVID Delta variant right, right now. Right? What's his lifeline? What's his family turning to right now? Jesus and their fellow brothers and sisters who are believers, right? That is where they're turning. That's where they have placed their lives, right? That's the foundation of the bedrock. This week, I went to visit uh, a member of our congregation who is on his deathbed, right? It, it's just a matter of time, right? It's, it's gonna happen. And, and what was the family talking about is the hospice is in there and, and, and we're there praying together, right? It, it's Jesus, right? It's not about the house. It's not about the achievements. It, it's, it's Jesus and the family, Right? That's the foundation of life that gets us through. Right? That's the foundation that helps us go through the rocky parts. Right? And sometimes Jesus gives us a miracle and Jesus fixes things. And sometimes it doesn't come and, and the bad stuff happens, the disease happens, the death happens. But guess what? Jesus is with us. And Jesus knows what it's like to go through hard times. Jesus was killed, right? God knows what it's like to lose his son. So God can stand with us when the storms of life come, when the creepers come and they explode. God can say, I know exactly where you are and I'm gonna hold your hand. I'm gonna get you through this. I'm gonna bring something good out of this. And in the great future, in the glorious kingdom of heaven, right, you're gonna be reunited with, with folks. We're gonna be in bodies that don't break down anymore, right? So we have a hope, right, that's great, but we also have Jesus with us now, right? The one and the only foundation that we can place our lives upon to help us deal with the storms of life, the ups and downs of life, right? It is Jesus, it is Jesus, the bedrock, right? So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? I'm going to totally steal and rip off a hymn lyric, right, from one of the old Christian songs today. And this is what I think the Bible says to us. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Right? 
On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Can you say that with me? On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Right? So what I would like you to do, I'll give you a couple of action steps that you can take this week maybe to think about this. The first is this. Right? I'd like to invite you to build your life on Jesus. Right? To build your life on Jesus. Take a look at what your foundation in your life is. Is it ultimately a relationship with God, a personal relationship with Jesus? Are we following what Jesus says? Do we have that relationship with Jesus? We'd love to help you do that, right? That's why you're here. We'd love to help you do that. Build your life upon Jesus, right? And I'm going to add to that. Build your life upon Jesus regardless of the cultural, political, or even religious weather, right? There's a lot going on in our culture. There's a lot going on, right? With politics, there's a lot going on even in churches, right? Focus first on Jesus. Focus first on Jesus, right? And I'd like to invite you to read this week chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew's gospel. This is where Jesus talks about what life to the full looks like, what living a life in God looks like. So I just it's three chapters. I invite you to read that. You're smart people. You can figure it out. This is where Jesus blows our mind. He's like, you've heard it said, right, in the law, do not murder, right, to the religious leaders. Yes, murder's wrong. He says, but I say to you, if you carry anger around in your heart, it's just as bad, right? It's just as bad because where does the murder come from? It comes from unresolved anger. It comes from grudges that we're carrying, right? Jesus asked us to, to walk a hard walk, right? Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, right, not to have an affair, absolutely don't have an affair. But he says, but I say to you, right, you're in trouble if you have lust in your heart for someone who's not your spouse, right? Jesus says, it says this in the law, but let's get to the heart of it. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, right? Republicans love Democrats. Democrats love Republicans, right? God has some practical ways for us to live life to the full. So I invite you to build your life upon Jesus and read this week, right? Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. When my family was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, we got to worship at a church in Beaufort, North Carolina. I've got a picture of that here. This is Ann Street United Methodist Church. Uh, this is in Beaufort, North Carolina, Southern Outer Banks. It was founded in 1778. Imagine that. It's, it's almost as old as our nation, which is really cool. The building that we worshiped in was built in the 1850s. They're still worshiping in this building from the 1850s. Still a lot of religious heritage, right? On uh, Every July 4th in America, uh, our government has, has designated one spot in each state to ring a bell at the, at the exact time when the Declaration of Independence was signed and we got, we got our freedom. This is the church in North Carolina, the only place in North Carolina where that bell is rung, right? Just a lot of history. And it's got this big graveyard. You got all these, you know, old uh, tombstones and Blackbeard was around here, the pirate. and stuff. Just, just, just this, a lot of people go here to have destination weddings, just all this history, right? And, and for us, we're like a 55-year-old church, we're in a brand new building, and you know, it's, 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 it's interesting kind of a contrast. But do you know what was really cool about that church, in addition to all the things that I said? When that preacher got up to preach, and when they sang the songs that they sang, it was all the stuff that we sing in the same Bible that we come from. The foundation of that church is the foundation of this church, right? 1778, yeah, 1966, right? Same foundation. And guess what? 
That foundation goes back beyond 1778. It goes all the way back to Jesus Christ in the first century when he died on the cross and he came back to life so that you and I can live life to the full. It goes back beyond that. It goes back to when God created humanity, created the universe. God wants to be in a relationship with us. So the foundation of our church, the foundation of Ann Street, United Methodist Church, 1778, is the foundation of Jesus. It's the foundation of God wanting to be in a personal relationship with you. So in my midlife crisis, my 50 years, looking back, looking ahead, what I've determined is I'm going to stick with the foundation that got me here, Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I invite you if you've not yet done it, to choose Jesus for yourself. He'll help you through the ups, he'll help you through the downs. He is the one foundation that will be sure to stay in place when the creepers come, when the rivers come, and the floods come. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand.